Well, hello, and again, thank you for taking time to join us for our weekly Bible study. Uh, we hope that you've been able to enjoy this time as Pastor Mark and myself have. Uh, today, we're going to be exploring Acts again, looking at chapter 18, uh, still following along, obviously, with Paul as he meets some different individuals on his journey today. So we'll go ahead with that and jump right in from uh, Acts chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. We hear, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to all the Jews, or excuse me, Paul went to see them and became, uh, because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed with them and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. All right, so we open up with Paul. Uh, he's leaving from one place to the, the next, and he meets some different individuals. He meets this uh, husband and wife combo. Uh, interestingly enough, it mentions that they have come from Italy. It's kind of mm-hmm. neat. We don't always think maybe about being able to hear of places that are exactly modern-day um, geographic locations mentioned in scriptures, we still have them today. Mm-hmm. And he shares uh, an affinity with them, that they're all tent makers. And often, I think for Paul, too, maybe we don't think about him as having uh, some other type of vocation yeah, or some other set. type of job, but he does. He's this this tent maker, and he obviously must have used this skill uh, throughout his missionary journey in different ways to be able to produce income or to be able to provide a livelihood for himself. Not that he probably didn't receive uh, other benefits, if you will, or income from some of the work that he did with people or Mm -hmm. at different synagogues, but this was a way that he was able to interact, which I think is neat for our listeners is most people are probably not uh, a pastor or a missionary or a DCE, or maybe even serve in a lay leadership position in their church. But we see that Paul and this other vocation uh, is able to meet with people or be able to kind of kind of intersect with similar storylines and share the gospel. Yeah, in regular life, like day-to-day, yeah. just day-to-day life. Yeah, and just using that skill set. I mean, that's what the thing that he has in common with these two that he meets, right? And so from there, it talks about that he's doing the same thing we see him always doing. Uh, Still on the Sabbath day, he's Mm -hmm. reasoning with people or being able to share with them uh, the idea of who the the Jews are, who the Greeks are, but most importantly, who Christ is. Yeah, and if he sold a tent, uh, what do you think Paul would talk to his customer about? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Delivering it or yeah. installing it or whatever. Yeah, or saying, saying a prayer over it, right? Yeah. I, I said a prayer over somebody's home this last week, and uh, you know, maybe the same thing over somebody's tent, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to, to bless that in the name of the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. All right, verse 7. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titus Justus, a worshiper of God, 
Crispus, the synagogue ruler, there's a lot of names, so we'll try to keep keep everybody square here. So Paul's at Titus's house, and now we're learning about some another person. Crispus was the ruler of the synagogue, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. So you got the ruler of the synagogue, the head guy of the Jewish community there, converting to be a follower of Jesus. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. And just real quick, I think just the timeline is something that I often lose track of when I'm just mm. kind of reading through the daily chat. You Agreed. Know, daily, well, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Bible exactly reading the same. or something. Yep. And you forget, like, wow, you know, he spent a year and a half. In just Corinth. the small location. Long, yeah. You know, it's a good chunk of your life. Well, I like right before that, too, this, this constant. All of a sudden, we have these, at least in the scripture that I'm reading out of, you know, this red letter in the mm -hmm. Bible here of Jesus coming in this vision and speaking to Paul. Think about what this man has been through, right? All these different, you know, we talk about whether it's shipwrecks or being able to be stoned or persecuted, jailed, uh, beaten. But in this point is actually another element when Jesus comes and provides this, this touch or this communication of do not be afraid, which is interesting that it seems like Paul maybe needs some type of, not that a boy, but like, uh, you know, confidence Comfort, builder. Yeah, reassurance. from Christ at this point. And it would seem because, you know, a lot of the people still at this point, especially the Jewish people, they don't want to be able to listen to what he's, he's mm -hmm. saying. And there must be some type of frustration in that, I would think, even for Paul, that you're saying this over and over again, right? And he's mm -hmm. so vigilant about that. But all of us as humans seem to only be able to hear, uh, know a certain amount of times to where we can get frustrated. But uh, a good point for all of us, no matter how much we are trying to be able to share the gospel, that... You know, the Lord is always there backing us or being able to say, hey, just keep going. You know, don't worry about this. Keep going with this. Yep. Uh, verse 12, while Gallio was pro-council of Achaia, that's like the the uh, state, the county, I don't know, the region basically where Corinth was the capital. So this is, he's, this is like the Roman leader of that area. Um, while he was there, the Jews made an, a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. This man, they charged is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Well, just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to the Jews, If you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names in your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he had them ejected from the court. <laughs> then I wonder what that looked like. Then they all turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. But Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. So uh, the first ruler of the synagogue converted to Christianity, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't know. He was there for a year and a half. How much time? But so this is the new ruler of the synagogue. So from Sosthenes, Christus, right? To yeah, Sosthenes. Yeah, good luck with that they, one. And uh, and so they turned on him. And just beat him right in front of uh, the, the magistrate, the, the court. And uh, Galileos didn't care. He's like, whatever. Tough courts during that time. Yeah. No protection for him. 
So right after we hear about this word from the Lord to Paul, this word of, I'm going to protect you, you just keep speaking, we learn about this incident here where he was taken, Paul was drugged into court. This is the typical thing, right? Every town he goes to, uh, he goes to the synagogues, convinces as many people as he can, the Jews, then he goes to the Greeks, and then when they get enough people stirred up against him, they usually kick him out of the city, they try to stone him, they have him arrested. Yeah. They, I mean, this just goes every city he goes to. And so this time, uh, God had worked it out for the uh, the governor, if you will, the proconsul, to dismiss the charges, to not even want to hear the case. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it, Paul even gets cut off, right? So just as Paul was about to speak, like somebody yeah. jumps in. I wonder what that was like. I think he was always the one of being so boisterous and the one yeah. saying everything, and all of a sudden he gets cut off and uh, you know works out, I guess you would say, for his benefit then, mm-hmm. too. One little summary for this section. Go back to, I was thinking Paul being a tent maker. He'd gone up to Corinth by himself. Mm-hmm. and uh, But it says, uh, verse 5, when Silas and Timothy got to there, they came up from Macedonia, then Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching and testifying to the Jews that Jesus mm-hmm. was the Christ. So you'd think Silas and Timothy maybe brought a gift from the church in Macedonia, or maybe they went to work to help support yeah. just so they could buy food and yeah. pay rent. Uh, no, that's a good so point. So Paul could devote himself to the Word of God and to the ministry. And so, kind of, you know, how does that look, you know, what does that look like today? Oh, right? that's a good point, right? For us to look at, you know, missionaries that we have in different points or different parts of the world and what can we do to be able to ease their burdens, if you will, so that they have the opportunity to be able to share the Lord, you know, for, Mm -hmm. for all of us in different ways, God has given us different gifts. Maybe some of us have the gift of speaking. Maybe some of us have the gift uh, of being able to have finances that we can provide. Uh, I have a close friend that uh, was able to go to the seminary because a church that was not even his own church, but a church close to him, a Lutheran church filled with individuals who uh, wanted to be able to support some type of mission, knew they had the means and decided to support my younger friend Mm -hmm. to be able to go through the seminary. And so they paid for him, knowing very well that their church may never hear a sermon for him or see anything on this earth that he would ever do, but knowing that they could support him to be able to go off. And, you know, it's neat to be able to see people do things like that for others. It's really cool. That's a great example. Uh, it's so cool when I see uh, an individual congregation uh, be able to see their role in the big church. Yeah. The big C church. Yep. Yep. And again, yeah, well, we'll talk about it every now and then, passing that baton uh, to the next generation and put, setting them up for success as best we can. Well, it's good. Again, it's for, you know, is we're kind of challenged in this series that we've been going through. You mentioned the big church of being able to say, you know, what are ways that we can do that? Not just financially of just, hey, here's a, here's a gift, but even through like, a, you know, our, the service uh, opportunities that we have or through our testimony mm-hmm. that we have or talents. You know, I think about people who volunteer to ring bells in church or uh, on Sunday, somebody asked me if they could start ushering. I was like, yeah, that would be fantastic. We could really use yep. the help. But those things just go a long way in being able to be a servant for the Lord. Absolutely. All right, we continue on. Uh, story branches out a little further with Priscilla, Aquila, and Apollos. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off 
and Chinchera because of a vow he had taken. They arrived in Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he sent sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down into Antioch. Okay, it's just, <laughs> Wait, are you we got to talk about this. The hair? Yeah, when, when are you going to let me cut your hair off? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not going to make any brought, jokes right now. I actually brought some clippers no, to you, this Bible no, study. No, you didn't. Yeah. You can do it right now live yeah, real, in front of the congregation. No, I don't think I'm actually getting a haircut tomorrow. Can, I think tomorrow, yeah. No, can, a real I'll, one. I'll save you 20 no, bucks. I'll do no. it right now. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be a 20 bucks well spent. <laughs> Okay. So he cuts That's off right. all his hair, you know. Now, this is funny. I don't know if you've looked. I, I, I looked around and say, what is this all about? And, yeah. And the bottom line was, we don't really know what this vow was. There's some speculation. No, but. I mean, the only thing you could say, right, is we do hear about vows a couple times within different areas of Scripture that involve somebody's hair uh, being cut or not being cut. But it's and it seems like it can go to a very similar vow, which is weird. I, I th obviously I think the biggest story we have about hair and not being cut is the story of Samson, mm -hmm. right? And so that's something that's interesting. Uh, we see people do things in Scripture that are this outward sign to show people for things around them. I think about um, ashes, putting on ashes, or different things like that. I think about Paul just in our text for today, right? At one point, we didn't even mention it. He says that he shook out his clothes in protest. Yeah. And I don't even know what that what that looks right. like. You, or how you, you think about kicking the dust off your feet in protest. That's, yeah. I think okay, Jesus I told us to do that. But he went a step further. But today, it says that he cuts all his hair off. Yeah. yeah. I, we, we don't know. I think the best uh, thing I read, best guess I thought was um, actually like Samson, who... He didn't take the vow. God told him right Correct. before he was born. Correct. And it was going to be a lifelong yes. vow. But I think a lot of, uh, more often than not, that vow of a Nazarite was uh, taken for a period of time. Yes. Almost like a Lenten fast. Correct. And apparently, of course, one of the requirements is you never cut your hair. But apparently at the end of the vow, you do shave it all off. Yeah. So perhaps he had, Paul had uh, Done the spiritual discipline, yeah. And from the Old Testament, he he found that to be helpful. I think that I think that is probably the best, uh, at least, conclusion that we could come up to with the information that we have. Again, using other pieces of scripture, not taking some random wild guess. And it would show. I it would show to me that Paul was not just rejecting the Old Testament Judaism or practices or spiritual disciplines, but could incorporate them into his following of Jesus. Yeah. Obviously, he knew it. He was like an Old Testament, like, mega scholar. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Sorry to interrupt. No. I was just hoping I could get your hair cut today on no, live tomorrow, TV. Tomorrow's the day. Tomorrow's the day. Yeah. Got to get cleaned up for Sunday. All right. So, another interesting Last piece here. No. Moving on? <laughs> You're not cutting my hair. <laughs> interesting. The, the Jewish people here at this point ask him to be able to spend more time with them, but it says mm. that he declines, and then he does tell them, though, you know, if it's God's will, that I'll come back. He seems to, I don't know, he has this forward momentum, right, of, hey, I only have maybe a certain amount of time 
I do need to continue moving here and sharing sharing the yeah. word. I mean, the people want him to stay because they're happy with what he said, right? And they're understanding. Right. And they want to know more, which is not a bad thing. Remember, Antioch is back on the uh, whatever eastern shore, of the Mediterranean, north of Israel, Jerusalem. It's close, closer to home base. He's he's kind of completed the second missionary journey. He kind of completed that circuit, and then he uh, almost immediately goes back out on the third missionary journey. Oh, verse twenty-three. Yep. Yeah. After spending some time in Antioch. Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia and uh, strengthened all the disciples. Uh, so it sounds like he kind of made another visit to all of those churches he had planted just, I don't know, a few years before. Verse 24, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, which is in Egypt, uh, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and that means Jesus, and he spoke with great fervor, a good speaker, and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Hmm. What a great word. Uh, when Apollos wanted to go to, uh, to Achaia, the brothers, those are his Christian uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, it means, uh, they encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who, by grace, had believed. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. That means the Messiah. Hmm. So, obviously, the second half of Acts is devoted much to Paul's journeys and preaching and, and mission. Um, but here's a little sneak peek. There were other Christians spreading the gospel. Yeah. And there were other leaders yeah. in this church movement. <clears throat> Remember, it didn't have a structure, right? It wasn't like Peter was the pope. Sorry, somebody who might be watching offended by that. Uh, like Paul was the pope or the leader of anything. Yep. This was just a, a loosely connected, you know, congregations in the, you know, all around the Mediterranean Sea. And Apollos, we know, is in Alexandria. So now we're kind of on the southern edge. Somebody had gone down there, probably one of the 11 disciples uh, had made their way down there uh, to share about Jesus. And um, yeah, there was a big Jewish uh, community in Alexandria from another, you know, diaspora. They had spread. So. He'd obviously heard about Jesus, saw it, you know, saw that fulfillment in the scriptures. And uh, apparently he was a very good speaker, fervent, zealous like Paul. And it was really making a big impact. It is, it is neat, too, again, to see this continued ministry, I think, of Priscilla and Aquila. This, uh, mm -hmm. you know, this tag team in the Lord, this husband and wife uh, united together and being able to really train people up in the Lord, you know, or, some good commitment there. Which is it maybe interesting, uh, or wife and husband too, yeah, right? Because yeah. Priscilla's name first. Yeah, and they yeah, talk yeah. about, oh, Priscilla and Aquila did this. Priscilla <clears throat> and Aquila. Which maybe so people understand a lot of times that somebody of predominance or somebody, I don't want to say more important, but looked at of a higher uh, position of power or status maybe mm -hmm. would, be, would be better, uh, would usually be named first, just as you would see on... Uh, maybe a business in our yeah. town, right? Of something and something. A law firm. Yep, or... correct. 
So inter- interesting that these mm-hmm. two, you know, are are doing this together. Just, I don't know. It's just it's a neat. You don't you don't see lots of those husband and wife maybe tag team. You know, within scripture, a lot of you know we see the disciples. They all seem to be like they're off on their on their own, if you will, and they're supporting each other. But to have that relationship and have these two doing this, I think is pretty neat. Yeah. So Apollos came with uh, like ninety nine percent accurate kind of Christian theology, if you yeah, will. Uh-huh. And apparently there was one little thing that he just knew about John the Baptist, the baptism. Maybe he didn't, hadn't heard about uh, Jesus' baptism, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the way Priscilla and Aquila handled this, I think, is a pretty wise thing for all of us to well, check into, right? Like you said, those words more adequately, they didn't say you were wrong, they didn't put him down uh, in some way, but it's really gentle, you know, and uh, I think probably affirming too, right, that he's doing such a, a great job and how to just, you know, share another piece of information, just was well, what we would want to do as Christian brothers and sisters. Yeah, like, well, like in verse 26, right, when uh, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, Priscilla and Aquila heard him, and then they invited him to their home and explained to him the way God. They didn't point him out in public. Yeah. They didn't. Yep. And sometimes I think we can get uh, a little excited about correcting somebody or yeah, something. Yeah, you're right. And maybe sometimes even, admitted or not, conscious or unconscious, there's this kind of, I want to show you that what I know. Yeah, I show you that better I'm, understanding. I that I'm right, yeah. right. But they were very humble about it, very patient, and just waited until he got home. Yeah, I don't know. It, 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 no, there's something important to that, right? They're not just uh, making this example out of him. And maybe you know that could have been something, which I'm sure it has been for some people, that has torn them down in Christianity or their faith a little bit. And so we got to be careful of that, both with people who are Christians and people who maybe are exploring the faith you know of things that we can share with them and not dumping on them uh too much or especially making sure we're not pointing out to them hey you're wrong even if we you know technically even think that down inside we just want them to know christ at the end of the day the goal is what we end up with here right you know it's as it continues on from there it says that he uh, proves from the scriptures that jesus was the christ and isn't that the goal, whether we're doing Bible study now or for Apollos today, that all of us are constantly learning more and being able to grow closer in our relationship with Christ so that we can you know, share with others and prove that Jesus is the Christ. There are things that I am pretty sure uh, I will not get right on this earth that have to do with theology, right? Well, I'm here to correct you. Yeah, I know. I'm that's happy, a, I'm you know, that's the reason. That's, that's the reason why I'm always sitting here. <laughs> no, that's a good point, right? I, you know, it's not about having a, even a perfect theology. It's, uh, or, or I say it sometimes. I say it this way: uh, uh, having a bad theology is not really the unforgivable sin. Hmm. Yeah, being wrong about something outside of Jesus dying for our sins. Yeah, and that's what it keeps getting to, right? Like, it even finishes, proves yeah. that Jesus was the Christ. And when you said that he's the Christ, well, that he's the Messiah. He's, my, well, he's the one that came to, to be able to sacrifice himself for you. And that's the key point. And this should always be, I think, what we come back to. And if you guys at home, you know, whether you're watching online or you're here with us in person, when Pastor Mark and I usually conclude the sermon, 
maybe there is uh, some type of challenge that's there for us as Christians, but uh, a lot of times we're concluding with that simple gospel message, and you think, oh, I, you know, I heard that one, one last week. That's how that one ended last week, Jesus dying on the cross for my sins, but I don't think we can hear it too much, and I think we need to constantly be brought back to that because as we hear within the pages of this book, uh, it's so key for everybody around us to be able to understand. And the more that it's ingrained in us, I think the more we become confident to be able to share of that good promise. So maybe that is the challenge for all of us this week, you know, whether we're married uh, and are able to do ministry partnership or yeah. whether we're single like Paul uh, is and you're out and about doing something on your own, no matter, we've had all different ages within the pages of these books. We talked about Timothy not too long mm -hmm. ago. We're talking about people who are uh, professional speakers or have a good job. We're talking about people that are tent makers. Mm -hmm. you know, no matter who you are, when it gets down to it at the end, all of these people are declaring who Christ is to everybody they come in contact with because they know that is what's most important. And so maybe we wrap up with that today then is, you know, being the church as we continue that series and kind of wrap that up these uh, next few days of seeing exactly what that means in our life, that, that we serve as God's uh, spokespeople here on, on this earth. Awesome. Right, that's a great conclusion. Uh, don't miss next week. We're going to get into Acts chapter 19, and we're going to look at, there's going to be some rioting. Oh, yeah, some Ephesus. Riots in Ephesus, <laughs> I know. It's nothing new under the sun. That's right. Nothing new under the sun. All right, let's, let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you so much for the people and the ministry here at Desert Foothills, our church and our preschool, um, the blessings that you give to uh, each and every one of us here within the church, uh, the love and joy and peace that we share uh, with people in our community through our preschool primarily, but other outreach opportunities uh, continue to bless and keep us in your mission, on mission and uh, focused on that beautiful gospel message. And Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he has died for the sins of the world. And there is incredible freedom uh, now available to all people, uh, near and far, uh, in our lives, that uh, we get the privilege to share that good news with, like Apollos did with fervor, like Paul did with zeal, uh, like Priscilla and Aquila did in their humble service and uh, their support. And we just pray that you would help each and every one of us come together and your family here in North Scottsdale to uh, replicate that uh, mission and ministry and be fruitful. Uh, we ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. All right, we'll see you yeah. next week.